How many of you believe that? Victory is yours. Amen. Look at your circumstance in the face and say, victory is mine. Victory is mine. Look at your situation and declare it. Victory is mine. I cannot lose. I cannot be overcome. Because I am the victor. I'm more than a conqueror. In Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory to the King. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Can you imagine what the procession was like when Jesus came up into heaven out of the grave? Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Your craziest, wildest football fans can't even compare with the procession that Jesus had when he walked in as the King of Kings, the King of Glory. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and let in the King of Glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, David was shouting that at those gates, don't you? <laughs> praise God, praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, you need to keep that praise in your heart all day. Don't let circumstances rob it. Because circumstances change, circumstances come and go. But that which is in you can remain the same. Amen. Don't let circumstances change you. Amen. Amen, amen. Praise God, praise God. Go ahead and be seated. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Find your place in Habakkuk, chapter 2. It's in the Old Testament. It's in the small book section. Like Jesse said, we used to call it Habakkuk, but then people think you said tobacco. <laughs> but, you know, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit being our supernatural GPS. He is our guide, isn't he? Amen. Amen. And, you know, just like a GPS, whether it's on your phone, in your car, whatever kind of device you might have, if you miss your turn, the GPS will recalculate. Isn't that right? If you refuse to listen to it when it says, you know, you need to make a U-turn, go back where you need to go. If you refuse to listen and you keep on going, it's going to say, okay, from where you're at now, let's recalculate this route. And now this is how you need to go to get there. Because the GPS is always looking to get you to a desired destination. Amen. If we miss the Holy Spirit, if we miss a turn, if we miss making the right decision with the Holy Spirit... It's not the end of the world. He is just going to recalculate your path so that you can reach the desired destination. Amen. Amen, amen. And did you notice that a GPS can't take you any place unless you set the destination? 
So you always know where you're going. There's no such thing as blind leading of the GPS. And there is no blind leading of the Holy Ghost. The only people that believe in a blind leading of the Holy Ghost are the people that are blind to the Holy Ghost. Amen. Well, did you find Habakkuk? Chapter 2, verse 2. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I could have done worship just all day long. <laughs> but, you know, like we found out in spiritual ears classes, when the anointing starts to move, you don't keep going on your own. It says, the Lord answered me and said, record the vision and inscribe it on tablets that the one who reads it may run. Okay, a vision is a direction. Did you ever, listen, did you ever sit in your driveway or in your garage and set your GPS for a destination and the GPS shows you where the destination is? And then you sit in the garage or in your driveway and get depressed. Well, I'm not there. Well, I'm not there. Well, no kidding. That's why it's a direction and a vision. To get. See, if you get upset that you're not someplace, it's because you don't understand vision. Vision is not now. Vision is where you're going. Just like that little GPS puts that little uh, finishing flag and that destination. That's where you're headed to, but you're not there. Now, we understand all this stuff in the natural. But when it comes to spiritual stuff, many times we're ignorant. Because vision is a direction and a destination. It's not where you are now, but it's where you are headed to. Right. Now, how many of you used to travel before GPS? How many of you would look up directions on a, uh, uh, maybe on Google Maps? You'd look up directions before you go someplace. Anybody? Okay. And how many of you would say, oh, I know where it is. I don't need to write it down. Mm -hmm. And what usually happens is you forget. You miss a turn, you forget where you, you're supposed to go, and all that because you didn't write it down. But you know, there's an old expression that says, think it and ink it. You know, whether you're inking it on paper, inking it on your tablet, inking it on your phone, you got to ink it someplace. Isn't that right? Another person said, the shortest pencil is better than the longest memory. Amen. So he says, record the vision, write it down so the one who reads it may run with it. Who's the first one to read that? The one that wrote it down. It would be you. You should be the first one to read it. You don't take up vision and go to everybody. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. You're not doing it. You know, somebody came to me one time and said, Pastor, I have a great business plan for you, and you can make a million dollars on it. I'm like, really? I said, how much have you made from this? Oh, I haven't done it. I'm too busy. Oh, you're too busy busting your tail trying to make money, but here's a plan to make a million dollars, but you're too busy for it. Oh, I'm going to jump right into this. <laughs> Are you with me? 
when we stray from where the Holy Spirit was leading us, it's going to cause us to wander aimlessly. And that's why it is vital to regularly, not just once in a while, once in a great moon, but regularly remember and reflect on what God has put in your heart. You know, I have a Bible at home, at, at, at my house, and the back of the Bible is all empty pages. And I've written down everything from 1981 is in that Bible. Because I go back and read it and see what I forgot, what I've let go of, what I need to get back to. Now, I don't care if you write it in your Bible, if you put it in your notes, if it's on your tablet, but you've got to read it. You know, it's like, oh, I wrote this down. Well, great, read it. <laughs> what was it? Tuesday meeting, Pastor Nid shared about remembering when we first started the church back in 1990. And um, there were circumstances that happened. We came out from another church. It was not good circumstances. Everything was in turmoil and upset. And the Lord told us to start the church. And um, it was quite scary, very nerve-wracking. Not only that, but then you got to look at the accountability of what God wants you to do and the responsibility of it. And we had to know beyond doubt that this is what God wants us to do. We had to know what God wanted us to do because we're going to have to believe God for the supply. Are you with me? We had to know what God wanted us to do because we had to look to the Holy Spirit to totally lead us. He had to lead us in what we were going to share and teach to the congregation, had to lead us in imparting things to others. It's a grave responsibility. And it was Pastor Nid and myself, Pastor Morgan and Pastor UL, and the four of us started the church back in 1990. And this grave responsibility caused all four of us to be highly nervous, very nervous. Did I say highly nervous? Yeah, how nervous were you? But we had to walk through this process day by day. This is a day by day process, okay? And we always had to remember God's calling, God's direction, and God's vision, always. Now, it's easier to do when you write things down. Of course, you can go back and read it again. If you trust your memory, (laughs) you know, okay, I won't use that word, but it's not smart. (laughs) You know, don't trust your memory. Because, you know, there's times that I've even said it like, oh, yeah, I don't need to write that down. That's really good. I won't forget it. And about a week later, I'm going, what was that? And then the Holy Spirit's not going to tell you. So that maybe next time you'll smarten up and write it down. Okay, that's for me. You know. But we had to write it down. Why? Because when you go back and read it, you will find out if there's any gaps in your understanding. How many of you have gone back and read a scripture in the Bible and you thought you were quoting it correctly for a long time, but then you go back and look at it and go, oh, I was off a little bit. Anybody, or is that just me? Okay, well, why? Because you go back and read it and realize your memory did not serve you as well as you thought it should. 
or would. In some cases, having somebody else read your vision. Now, this is somebody you look up to spiritually. You know, we're not talking about running around every Tom, Dick, and Harry. You know, look at the person sitting next to you. We're not talking about them either. We're talking about somebody you look up to spiritually and have them read and see if they can actually grasp what you wrote down. They should be able to grasp it and go, okay, yeah, I can understand that. Are you with me? If you can't read it and run it, run with it, then we need to pause and pray for God, to God to clarify. You know, if you lack wisdom, what should you do? Ask. Ask of who? God. Ask of God. Okay? So we should ask. Now, that doesn't mean that a person won't have your answer, but God can use a person only if you first go to God and ask him. You know, there was something that we were looking at the other day, and I said, okay, God, I'm praying about this situation, and according to your word, this is what your word says, so I bring it to you in prayer. And right after the prayer, I said, okay, so now I take my authority in this situation, and I speak to this. Prayer comes first. Are you with me? So, when I was, uh, and the Lord was directing me to go into business, I shared that with my pastor. And I said, you know, I believe this is what God wants me to do. Now, I didn't share it with him because I was looking for a prophetic word. I didn't share it with him because he'll have a word of knowledge for me. No, all I wanted to know is that, does this witness in your heart? Or are you getting a red light and going, you don't want to do that? Are you with me? Some of you don't sound very sure about that. So the four of us, when we started the church, we continually talked with each other. We ate so many meals together. We lost count. Because we were always getting together, sitting around, having something to eat. Why? Because we had to continually talk the vision talk the direction, talk the instructions, had to talk what God had put before us. And we had to continually talk it because at any moment, any one of us could have said, I'm done. I mean, if you think that just because God calls you, it's going to be a piece of cake. When God calls you to something and he sets a vision in you, your problems have just started. You got to be kidding me. And the reason is, is because a lot of people don't realize there's a little snot ball out there called the devil. And you think most people think, well, I'm just big and bad and I can overcome him. He'll beat your brains out. You'll overcome him, but only by keeping your place in him, in Christ, in that vision, in that direction. Are you with me? Okay. So. What is God leading us to do as individuals? Have you stayed in line with his leading? Have you deviated from the path he set for you? Have you strayed away from what you were originally given? You know, when I first got saved, you know, <laughs> this is funny. I first got saved, God told me, I want you to be in church every time the doors are open. That's the one thing and the only thing he told me. So that's what I did. And I could walk around like a 
proud rooster. Oh, I'll tell you what, I do everything God tells me to do. He told you one thing. <laughs> you know, and then he tells you the second thing, but guess what? The first thing doesn't get let go of. So now you've got two things to do. And then there's another thing and another thing, and he adds on and adds on. That doesn't mean, okay, I don't need to go to church all the time when the doors are open because now he wants me to do this. No. No. He didn't say stop doing that and start doing this. He said do this, which means it gets added on to what you were doing. Amen. Amen. You know, it's like that little baby running around in his diapers in the house, and he's just learning to walk. And he's so thrilled about taking a step, but then he falls on his butt. Right? Well, that's the same thing. You know, God tells you one thing. Okay, be in church every time the the doors are open. Okay, I'll do that. And I did work at it. That wasn't easy. Because stuff came up to where you could absolutely say, well, I just don't have to go. I got this issue coming up. I got to deal with this, and I just can't make it today. Are you with me? That what would that be called? Deviating. Straying. And sometimes we have a sense that we're off track. Something just don't seem right. And we have to ask the Lord to refresh our memory. Go back to what was written down. Remember what he had first said. Back in 1984, you know, we left Thailand in 1974. So 1984 was our first opportunity, and it was an opportunity of God to go back to Thailand. Because every January, from the time we came over from Thailand, every January my wife would say to me, we're going back to Thailand this year. I'm like, yeah, right. (laughs) You know, I didn't have two pennies to rub together. Yeah, we're going back to Thailand, okay. And she'd say that every year, 75, 76, 77, 78, 79, 80. In 1981, we get saved. 1982, we're going back to Thailand. Yeah, right. 1983, we're going back to Thailand. Yeah, right. 1984, we're going back to Thailand. That is right. See, in 1984, when she said that, it witnessed in my heart and came alive in my heart. I'm like, that is right. We're going this year. So we started getting before the Lord. You know, what's the first thing you need to do when you're going to take a big trip like this? You got to check out prices of airline tickets. That's the first thing. So once you get over choking over that, (laughs) you know, so then, okay, this is the price. So we're going to believe God for the money to come in so that we can go. You know, so then... So we're laying this stuff out. We're getting everything in order. We're, we're looking to the Lord for direction. And it seems like we had everything laid out. And then my wife says to me, you know, you can stay home and work. And I can go myself. And I'm like, go yourself. So I said, um, so how are you going to get around in, in Bangkok? And then go up to, I think, did we go? We went up to your father's place at that time. So I said, so how are you going to do all I'm going to rent a car. You're going to rent a car. You're going to drive on the wrong side of the road with that maniacs in Bangkok. You're going to get in that car and drive. But she said it long enough that after a while I started believing. Yeah, I don't need to go. 
I don't need to go. She can go by herself and this will be fine. And all of a sudden, what we were believing God for the supply started drying up. What we were believing God for in plans was not working out. Now, I'm not talking about we force it, force it. I'll make this thing work because that's what people do. I'll make it work. And your flesh is just in charge of everything. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about believing God and he's directing and leading. So all of that just seems to come to a stop. So we were supposed to go in August. So around, now we knew about it in January. We, the plan was to go in August. And around June, my pastor says to me, so are you going to Thailand? And I said, well, I'm not sure now. And he said, well, why not? I thought, because we had already told him God told us to go. And uh, he said, so why not? And I said, well, you know, Nid's going to go, but then I'm not sure about myself. And he said, you know, has the supply come in? I'm like, well, no, things have kind of dried up and all that. So he's asking me these questions about why. And you know what his answer was? You need to go home and pray. Now, he probably knew everything that was wrong, but he's not going to tell me. Because if I don't know for myself, it is not going to do any good. I could take what he said and run with it in the flesh. But I need to hear from God myself. And you need to hear from God yourself. This is what you need to understand. Stop looking to some prophet. Stop looking to somebody with a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. Oh, somebody's got a word for me. God's got a word for you. And if you go to him first, and if he needs to use somebody to speak to you, he will. So I went home, and I prayed. First, I got into some worship. I started speaking in tongues. I got into the word of God. And then I got before the Lord and said, Lord, what about the trip to Thailand? And I said, am I going or am I not going? And the Lord was very specific. He said, you have forgotten what I told you. See, he didn't tell me again. He said, you forgot what I told you. And that's all he had to say. I was like, yeah, that's right. I know what you said to begin with. Came out of prayer. Talked. Got in agreement. Okay, we're going. Pretty soon the supply starts coming in. And this is my pastor. This is what he does. When you're believing God for supply to come in, first thing he'll ask you, did it come from your job? He doesn't expect that God's supply will come from your job. Why? This is totally limited. Just because you put in extra hours, because you worked extra hard or did whatever you need to, doesn't mean it was God. And he would always say that. Did it come by the way of your job. And I'd say, no, money has shown up and I don't even know where it came from. He'd be like, yep, good. We wound up going to Thailand. We're driving down the road in a taxi through Bangkok. And here's a car in the driveway, uh, uh, an alleyway trying to get out into the road because it's so darn busy. And I said to Pastor Nid, I said, look, there's you in the car trying to get out into traffic. 
<laughs> so I said all that to very simply talk about the leading of God, getting off track, things not working out, things becoming harder than they should, and having to get back on track. Amen. So I was going way off in the wrong direction, but he recalculated my route, got me back where I needed to be. Amen. You getting back on track with God is not your flesh trying to make it happen. It's following the Holy Spirit. Just like you were following the Holy Spirit and then you went off track. Why did you go off track? Because you followed your flesh. So following flesh will not get you back on track. You have to follow the Holy Spirit and get back on track again. Philippians 3, verses 13 and 14. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Philippians 3, 13 and 14, brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He said, I do not regard, the Greek word logizomai, and it means to put things together in your mind. It's reckonings and calculations. It means to ponder the details, to calculate and tabulate to come to a conclusion. So this word, logizomai, was originally a bookkeeping term. And it was for making out a profit and loss statement. You know the profit and loss statement. You got one column profit, one column losses, right? You know, some people have so many losses on the loss, on the loss column, and they might have one thing on the profit side, but they'll go like, oh, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to believe God. Yeah. Why do we have a profit and loss statement in bookkeeping? To determine the bottom line, to see where we're at. Isn't that right? So we can ponder calculate the decisions that we've made, the actions we have taken, and we can come to the bottom line and determine that we're either accused or we are excused. Now, the person that looks at that loss column and goes, boy, this is really bad and there's very little on the profit side, they'll still, they may still excuse themselves and go, oh, it's okay, I'm just going to believe God. Rubbing that rabbit's foot. You have any other incantations you like to use? Are you with me? Paul said, I don't regard myself. I put it all together in my mind. I've done my review and I've come to my conclusion. That in light of the original leading of God in my life and what he gave me, I have determined and come to the determination that I have actually not accomplished what he has called me to do. Now, some people, they won't come to that calculation no matter what. As far as they're concerned, they're always on top. I'm always on top. God, I'm on top. 
did you realize you're sinking, though? <laughs> you know, because the pumping up of personality don't keep you on top. The devil, just like before you got saved, will come along and pull the carpet out from under you. Well, I'm believing God. No, you're not. You're not. You think you are, but you're not. And the reason you're not is because what you just said is not scriptural. See, you think you can use your faith not to have any troubles? Jesus said, in the world you have troubles and trials and tribulations. But take courage. I've overcome the world, which means that when you face that tribulation, you can overcome it too. But you will face it. There are those that build their house on the rock and those that build their house on the sand. The ones on the rock are doers of the word. The ones on the sand are not doers of the word. But the storms come, the winds blow, and the rain descends on both houses. And whether it stands or whether it falls is determined based on what you do. Amen. Proverbs chapter 24, I'll read this to you, verses 3 and 4, but you can read it in your Bible, but I want to read it from the Living Bible. Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4. I don't think we have a Living Bible. Okay, so it says, Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4. Any enterprise is built by wise planning. It becomes strong through common sense and profits wonderfully by keeping abreast of the facts. Let me say that again. Any enterprise is built by wise planning. It becomes strong through common sense and profits wonderfully by keeping abreast of the facts. So what does this tell you? It tells you that you can build an enterprise by wise planning, but that's it. You've built it. Now what? Well, it can't come strong. Come, it cannot become strong except through common sense, and it will not profit you unless you keep abreast of the facts. It's a progression. You build it, you strengthen it, and then you profit it. This is why it's wise to review your current status and progress to see if you're getting to where you are supposed to be. Review it to see if you're on track or off track. Are you falling behind in the leading of God and what he has given you? Not just you, but what about your family? What about your personal goals? Maybe ministry, your dream. Where are you on these things? It's good to look at them. It can determine profit and loss statement. So it could determine where you are on track and maybe where you're off track and how far off your track, on tr how far you are off track and need to get back. But if we don't look at things, if we don't examine things, you know, the Bible says examine all things, hold fast to that which is good. The things in the lost column are not good. When we keep abreast of the facts, we can profit wonderfully. Know exactly where we are in terms of progress in pursuing the vision that God has given to us, whether it's a short-term goal or a long-term goal. Are you with me? Amen. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. The Apostle Paul is on his way to uh, Jerusalem. 
He's getting ready to have his last pastor's conference before he leaves for Jerusalem, to which he'll never see these people again. He knows it. He's going to go to Jerusalem, wind up being sent to Rome. We never return. Acts chapter 20, 24. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that, in order that, for this reason, that I may finish my course and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. Now, the Apostle Paul knew. He knew what the course was that he was to be on. He knew what the Lord Jesus gave him to do. Do we? See, we need to know. Now, I'm not talking about some uh, a headline. Oh, it's the ministry of reconciliation. Well, where do you fit in that? See, what has he given you to do? What about your life, your family? Now, the thing here about it, he says, I don't consider my life. The word life is actually the Greek word suke, which means a soul. I do not consider my soul. The soul and all of its intricacies, like the mind, the emotions, the feelings, the will, the thought processes. I do not consider. The word consider means I don't esteem it. I do not respect it. I do not honor it. And I do not make it precious in my life. I do not consider it. Therefore, it is not dear and precious to me. I do not honor my emotions. I do not esteem my feelings. I do not make precious what I think. Therefore, none of these things are dear to me. Why? Because any one of those can stop you from what God wants you to do. You know how it is. It all hits the fan. And all of a sudden, what God said to you goes right out the window. Oh, it's hit the fan. Oh, here comes the emotion. Oh, here comes the emotion. Well, I'm just going to let the emotion take its course. Well, one day it'll drag you down into the grave and you won't be able to get out. Why would you even let it take you any place? Kick that thing in the teeth and move on. Don't give place to that. The Bible says don't give place to Satan. Don't give him, be aware of his schemes. Don't give him opportunity and have no confidence in the flesh. Your emotions and your emotional response to the garbage is flesh. And when you give yourself to it, you're putting your confidence in the things of the flesh. Now, if you were in spiritual ears classes, you know the difference between your flesh, your emotions, your thoughts, and the move of the Holy Spirit in you. You've heard it, and that house was built by why? By wisdom. But will you make that house strong? And will you allow it to profit you? Or is it just going to be like, oh, I know this now? Are you with me? After regarding the facts and evaluating the situation, the Apostle Paul came to the conclusion of a profit and loss statement and considered the bottom line. I have not yet reached, but I will not deem precious my soul 
because I am pressing on to what I've been given to do. Now, you think Paul had some soul issues to deal with when he was in dangers in the city and dangers in the field, dangers from robbers and dangers from his countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, shipwrecked three times, beaten with rods five times, whipped. Do you think he had some emotional issues to deal with? Do you think he wanted, on that whipping post, when they're whipping him the 30th time, he's thinking, oh, I don't know if this is really worth it. Maybe this isn't really what I'm supposed to be doing. But he said, I do not consider my soul as precious, honorable, or dear to myself. That thing needs to be put under my feet. And unless you do that, it'll continually control and lead you and dominate your life. I've had people all through the years always tell me, well, you just don't have any emotions. I got a lot of emotions. I just keep them under my feet. Amen. So where are we? Is the question we have to ask ourselves. Because we, just like Paul, have to look at the facts, evaluate the situation, and then come to a determined calculation. But that's only the beginning part. Because now you have to make an honest analysis. Where are we in the light of what God has led me to do in my life, in my family, in my finances, in my service to the Lord, in my employment or business ventures, in my developing in the new nature, in the renewing of my mind, in the development of my relationship with the Holy Spirit. Where am I on these? And that doesn't even cover everything, but where am I on these things? And then, if we're looking at things that God's told us in the area of our family, finances, service, uh, business, employment, ventures, whatever it might be, we might have to share with those that need to be informed. Like if God comes to me and says, you're way off track here, things in your marriage or your family, or you're way off track on your finances and you've squandered a lot of money. Who do you think I should talk to? Come on, take a crazy guess. Who do you think I should talk to? My wife. She's the one I should talk to because she's an interested party. Unless, of course, you're a macho man. A macho man. I could take care of this myself. Yeah. The Bible says there is safety in the multitude of counselors. So should your first counselor not be your spouse? So we're talking about sharing with those that need to be informed. If there was an issue in the church, I would share it with our team members, the staff. Maybe, like I said, your spouse those that you're in partnership with, maybe with a financial advisor that's been helping you along with some things. Who don't you share it with? Every Tom, Dick, and Harry. That's who you don't share it with. You're, oh, I'm standing in line at Walmart. Oh, let me tell you about this. No. 
You don't even share it with people in the church. Oh, I got quiet on that one. Not everybody in the church has godly wisdom for you. Now, if you just need a sounding board, anybody can be a sounding board. But if you're looking for change, you need to know who to share with. Amen. I was at a, uh, back in the late 80s, I was at a group meeting at church. It was all the staff and, and there was new people there and, you know, things were in upheaval at the time. And there was a lot of voices just going. I mean, you could sit in the room, you know, and you can have people talking godly uh, information and godly counsel. And it's just fine. doesn't matter how many people are talking. But this was just noise. The room was filled with noise because nobody was talking for the Holy Ghost. And that noise gets a little deafening after a while. And nobody was listening either. And I remember just sitting to the side and just closing my eyes and going, I need to shut this down. Now, I wasn't the pastor, but I, you know, I wasn't leading the meeting or anything, but I was part of the meeting, and I was like, I need to shut down from all of this stuff because I need to hear from God and not this noise that's going on. And that's why you don't share things with every Tom, Dick, and Harry. Everybody's got noise. So once you put things on the table, others can share their input and add to ideas about making a choice. The good thing would be is that you all pray in tongues, that you're on a, at least an equal level spiritually, and that you can input with one another. Why? Because we don't want to hear your flesh. Say that with me. I don't want to hear your flesh. Amen. <laughs> you don't want to hear mine. Well, I don't want to hear yours. It's really that simple. Do we sweep the harsh reality <clears throat> of where we are? Profit and loss statement. Am I going to sweep the harsh reality of where I am off track and sweep it under the carpet and pretend everything's all right? Oh, yeah, we're just going to believe God. It'll be fine. You're not fine. You have no idea what you're even talking about. Do we make the decision to embrace the necessary changes to be what God wants us to be, to do what God wants us to do and get back on track again? How many of you know that if you're headed to Orlando, you don't take I-75 south. You don't go over to I-95 and go stay at a Le Meridian Hotel in Miami. You can look all you want and search all you want through Miami and you're never going to find what you're looking for. The answer is not there. The answer is on the path to get to Miami. I mean, to get to Orlando. You know, sometimes in following the Holy Spirit, it seems scary. It seems shaky. 
it can be very nerve-wracking. But he has the answer for you. Your answer is going to show up where you need to be, not where you want to be. Let me say that again. Your answer will show up where you need to be, not where you want to be. Now, God's will is what? Good, perfect, and acceptable. So I'm not going to tell you that he's going to lead you into some kind of trash, and that's where your answer is. No, no. It's following God to where he knows your answer is. You're going to follow your flesh to where you want to be because that's what you think your answer is. So the best thing you could tell yourself is, I know nothing. Say it with me. I know nothing. (laughs) That's a hard thing to say because we all know our mind is so smart. We all know that. In fact, every one of us would probably stand up and say, I've got the sharpest mind here. (laughs) But no matter how much you look in Miami, even though that's where you might have wanted to be, you're not going to find your answer because Orlando is not there. You can't find your answer where it's not. Well, I'm just going to go here and I'm going to believe God to bring me the answer. Again, you're so far off scripture, you're making stuff up. But it sounds so good in the Christianese language. And it sounds so spiritual. And it's so wrong. The Holy Spirit, who is the supernatural GPS system, wants to keep us on track and recalculate our path as necessary and there's only one thing you have to do follow you don't have to figure it out you don't have to reason it you don't have to work on it you don't got to get a plan together all you got to do is follow but it's so hard isn't it you know how hard that is to follow the holy spirit as hard as as it is for the arrogant proud unbeliever that says oh just believing in jesus to be saved no no i got to do more than that See, that's the arrogance, pride of life. And it's the same thing. Well, I can't just follow. I got to do, I got to do, I got to do. It's pride of life. Because he knows exactly the path you need to take. He knows exactly the way you need to go. And all you have to do is hear it and do it. Hear it and do it. Now, does that mean everything's going to be as smooth as butter? Melted butter. Is it going to be as smooth as melted butter? No. Why? Because there's an enemy out there. There's a devil out there, and you're going to have to kick his butt. Stop letting him run over you. Stand up. Yeah, but this thing keeps happening. Kick it in the head. When will you get tired of it? Jesus can stand right there with you and he can't do nothing about it until you choose to do something. You're the one that has the authority on the earth. Jesus don't have a physical body anymore. Therefore, he has no authority on the earth. You do. You're the one that needs to do it. 
You don't do it alone. You do it in the Holy Ghost. You do it in the Lord. You do it in the Word. You do it in grace. You do it in His empowerment, but you have to do it. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12. I thank God that I can stomp my feet and not jam my knees in. <laughs> Something to be thankful for. I, I met somebody yesterday, haven't seen him in years. And they said, so how old are you now? I said, 72. And they said, you don't have knee problems or anything? I said, nope, still running the stairs. <laughs> Why? Because people expect that at a certain age you're going to have certain problems. And like my wife always says to me, she does have certain problems. You're the problem. Yeah. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 13, 12. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I also have been fully known. All right, we see in a mirror. The word mirror is actually a looking glass. That's what it means in the Greek, a looking glass. Because mirrors, back in the days that, that this was written, it was made out of polished metal. It wasn't mirrors like we have today. So they were very opaque and very hard to see through. You could observe bursts of lights in it and coming through, but you could not clearly see the image on the other side. So you can look in that mirror, that, that uh, uh, looking glass... You could see a little bit of your image, but it wasn't very clear. It's kind of like, um, you know, you have some kind of coating up on your doors, maybe your front doors or whatever, and you can know somebody's out there, but you don't know who it is. Verse 9, back up to verse 9 for a minute. It says, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. We know in part, and we prophesy in part. So how many of you think you know everything? Even our prophecy is only in part. Guess what? Do you know what that means? There is no perfect prophecy. You can only know in part. So therefore, when we think things like, well, I can do this, and I can get it right, and I don't, I'm not going to make any mistakes, you're fooling yourself. You are fooling yourself. Now, the devil uses that foolish attitude to wrap you up in a spirit of perfectionism, which you can never attain. It's impossible because you're flawed, every one of us. Because we can only know in part and prophesy in part. So to think that I can do stuff and not make mistakes, I'm going I'm to work at this and work at this. You know, I can do woodworking, and I can build stuff and all that, and I can make it to where it's just right. Until Pastor Morgan walks in, and he looks at it and goes, what'd you do there? I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> Why? Because he's got more knowledge. So he knows something that I don't know because I only knew in part, and I did it. How did I do it? As good as I could but it's not perfect. 
That's why I've always said, you know, people have said to me, oh, you do such nice work in your house. You should come work in my house. I'm like, you'd fire me in a heartbeat. <laughs> you don't want me working in your house. I can cover stuff over in my house, you know, but not yours. <laughs> so we're only fooling ourselves if we think we can do it right without making any mistakes. And then Satan will use that thought that you can do it right and not make mistakes, and then you wind up making mistakes. Satan now uses that thought to beat you up with regret. And then you start to lament in despair. When the truth is, everybody makes mistakes, and we can't see the whole picture. Yeah, but, you know, the Holy Spirit, he knows. And the Holy Spirit tells us, that's right, he knows everything. You just don't hear it right. Yeah, you don't hear it right. Because what do we do? God tells us something, we write it down, and then we try to figure out, what does he really mean here? And now your dead head is trying to figure out what God just said to you. A head that's not renewed is going to try to figure out the supernatural things of God. When the Bible clearly tells you the natural man, which your head that is unrenewed is part of the natural man, cannot understand the things of God. They are spiritually understood. Isn't that right? So we don't hear perfectly. We, the Holy Spirit speaks to us, but we don't hear it. Just like sitting in church, you don't hear everything perfectly that's being said. You hear it through the ears of your experience, the ears of your upbringing, and the ears of what certain words mean to you and how they affect you when you hear them. Just like me standing there like this, that affects some of you, and you don't like that. So therefore, you shut down. Because you don't like that finger being pointed. Am I right? Yeah. See? See? <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> so then I would just come up here and I'd just stand here and have no emotion and, and, and just talk, you know, like I'm standing in a wash pan and just, you know, uh, thus says the Lord. And I don't want to put any inflection in my voice because some people don't like inflection. But, you know, and then I'm just going to just talk very, very monotone. And that'll drive other people crazy. Because we only know a part, okay? So I'm going to be who I am, so excuse me. <laughs> now, I will not purposely do things to try to hurt you, and that you must understand. So if I ever say anything or do anything and you feel offended over it, it's probably a misunderstanding because I would never purposely try to do anything that would offend you. Never would. It's never my intent. I don't get up in the morning going, who can I offend today? <laughs> so, we don't do things perfectly. We don't hear perfectly. We know in part. We prophesy in part. So, don't beat yourself up over mistakes. Now, the other ditch, because there's always ditches. The other ditch is, oh, I just throw off the mistake. Well, I tried. I just throw it off. I tried. No, there's still a measure of responsibility and accountability. And there is always the, the need to recognize to grow and to press in. If you've made a mistake, fine, but you have to understand there's a need to grow and to press into the things of God. Amen? Amen? Although we can make our part, make out our part of what we're trying to see and understand, 
things are just not very clear. And it won't change until we're in eternity. And we will know fully as we have been fully known. But that does not excuse us for not pressing in for more. If God has helped you to better understand the leading you received from the Holy Spirit because now there's greater clarity. When does greater clarity come? When we grow. When we grow, then greater clarity comes, okay? So when that happens, then it's time to recalculate where we are and revisit our plan because now we have updated understanding. That doesn't mean I figured this out. It means there's updated understanding that's come from the Holy Ghost. God never changes, but our understanding does. As we grow. So don't waste your time wallowing in regret and remorse over mistakes. And by all means, don't stick with the old wrong plan just because you're too embarrassed or proud to say you messed up. Listen, if you never mess up, you are the oddball. I'm just telling you, you're the oddball. And you're only odd because you think you didn't mess up. (laughs) So we don't want to get into foolishness, do we? No, just repent of any deviation that we've made from God's leading and return to what he first told you. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, we've remembered the vision that God has given to us within the church. Evaluate the situation. You have to do the same thing in your life. I've done it in my family. I've done it in my finances. I've done it in service to the Lord. I've done it in every area from the time I actually got saved. I would, when I first got saved and God told me be in church every time the doors are open, I would say, okay, Lord, I'm doing what you've told me to do. This is the one thing you've told me to do, and this is what I'm doing. I've evaluated that, and I would continue on it. So then the Lord told me later on, he says, you need to stop working all this side work you're doing and spend more time in my word and more time with your family. And I'm like, okay, I just didn't do it. And I kept saying, okay, but I didn't do it. And things got so hard. And I remember the last time I knelt down next to a car in my garage at the house and said, oh God, if you just help me get through this job, I will never do side work again. So I've had to evaluate things. I've had to look at things through the years, always constantly reevaluate. One thing that you can do as you come to the end of a year and get ready for another year. Evaluate what's gone on this year. You ought to know what's gone on in your life this year, how things have advanced or how things have decreased. And you need to look at those things, evaluate it, calculate it, come to decisions about those things. And when you realize where you are maybe off track, that's only the beginning because now the rubber will meet the road. So when I finally, I got to that point, the rubber was meeting the road, and I said, okay, God, I I will give up doing side work and do all that, okay? So I did do that. Well, my finances at the job I was working on really went down the toilet, and uh, things got worse financially. 
But God said, no more side work, time in the Word, time with your family. And then after a few, several months of doing that, God blessed me with a job, and it doubled my annual income. And things came up in my life, and there was stuff I was dealing with. But I would look at my life, and I'd say, I'm in church every time the doors are open. I'm doing with the family like you told me to. I'm spending time in the Word like I ought to. I've given up doing the side work. I'm involved with service to the Lord like you want me to. And every area of my life, that was my life at the time, and every area of my life is what God's told me to do. So based on doing what God's told me to do, now I'm talking to you. You're going to have to move. You understand? You can't be out there in rebellion and think you're going to handle the affairs of life. That's foolishness. So the rubber meets the road. Because to see it, to even say it, and then to do it, they're all different things. I can build a house, but then I need to make it strong, and then it needs to profit. And what does Jesus say? The flesh is willing, I'm sorry, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So getting back on track will probably require some change. And we're going to have to humble ourselves and admit that we were wrong about some things. I've had to admit some things to my wife through the years that I was wrong about. That wasn't easy. Why? I'm the man. I'm the man. I'm the man. You're supposed to have to do this. <laughs> no, you're a yo-yo. You're a yo-yo. <laughs> you <know? laughs> and then we have to, besides that, then you've got to learn and, pra- and start to restructure some things. Yeah. I had to start... Now listen, finances, for instance. Finances, we only had so, many fi- so much finances. You know, we did our tithing. We had our finances to take care of stuff. And then we would sow seed as, as we could. Okay? So what we had to do was restructure our financial priorities. My uh, daughter came to me years ago, back in the 90s. And um, we had just brought her back here from Melbourne, and she started working on a job, and she said, can you set up a budget for me? I said, sure. So she told me how much she's making. She gave me all of her bills and stuff, and I worked on it that day and got a budget set up for her. Top of the budget, tithe, number one. And then all the stuff she needed. And when she came home, I said, we got good news for you. I said, you have money for everything except food and clothes. She said, well, why is that good news? I said, because Jesus said, if you seek first the kingdom, then these things, food and clothes that the Gentiles seek after, they'll be added to you. And she said, okay. And she profited wonderfully. Amen. Amen, amen. Financial priorities might have to change. How we spend our free time. Oh, it is a big one. Because you know, you know, especially in the Western culture, our whole life is about getting free time. I work like a dog. I need to have some free time. I've worked like a dog all my life so I can have free time for the rest of my life. That's what we work for, isn't it? Free time. 
and we waste it. We waste it so much. And we're going to have to start to restructure how we spend our free time. You may have to let go of personal interest in order to spend more time with your spouse and your family. Yeah. Dear Jesus, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know what that means? That means maybe you won't get to watch the Super Bowl this year. See, that would be a personal interest, isn't it? Well, what if your spouse would like to do something else? Well, we don't ask because we're watching the Super Bowl. Well, she should be more concerned with me watching the Super Bowl. Well, as long as you're concerned with how they feel about you, you're in the wrong. It's only about how you feel about them. As long as the eye's on you, you're wrong. You're miscalculating and misreasoning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe restructuring is going to involve changing our eating habits. Because our eating habits are creating issues. And we're just going to believe God for our health issues and keep feeding our body all this other stuff that we, need, that we know we need to change. See, these are just practical things. This is not deep. We don't need much explanation about this. I know, you just need me to shut up about it, but, you know. <laughs> you may have to reorder your time management in order to fulfill your service to the Lord. And stop letting everything else come first and put your service to the Lord on the back burner. Well, there's something else I want to do. I'll get somebody to fill in for me. Mm, really? Who told you that? Who told you to do that? Don't shout me down. You know, Proverbs 3 tells us, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You know what that means? It means it's not for you to dispute. It is for you to trust. Yes. You know, that one time we were having music practice on Monday night, and my son calls me up, I think the day before. And he said, um, the Yankees are playing up in St. Pete, playing against the Rays. Wade Boggs is there, and he could hit his record-breaking base hit today. Do you want to go? I have tickets from my company, and we have a box that we can be in. I'm like, mm -hmm. Well, you know, as soon as he said it, it didn't set right in me. So I didn't need to pray for five hours. Oh, God, let me go. Oh, God, let me go. Oh, God, let me go. You know I love you. Let me go. Be good to your servant, oh, Lord. <laughs> And uh, Wade didn't hit his base hit at that, that game, but, but, he did, but I didn't go. Why? Because I knew I shouldn't go. Giving up. Keeping time management in order to fulfill service to the Lord.
if that baseball game was going to be my reward, dear God, help me. Dear God, help us if we think that whatever that thing is is going to be our reward. Well, it's just what I want to do. Well, I hope you enjoy your reward because you've just let go of eternity. Look in Psalm 37. We'll close here. Psalm 37, verse 23. It says, The steps of a man are established by the Lord, and he delights in his way. The steps of the Lord, I mean, the steps of a man. In fact, I think King James says a good man. Well, you know, a good man is one that's born again. Isn't that right? And we can claim this promise. Bless God, my steps, praise God, they are ordered of the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, you can claim the promise, but you're still going to be required to follow. See, this is not a blind leading. Okay? In other words, oh, well, this is what happened, uh, so I guess this is God leading me here. See, that's blind leading. You know nothing about God or the leadership of the Holy Spirit, but just because something happened, whether it was good or garbage, it must be God because he orders my steps. That's ridiculous. But that's religion. And that's from not knowing. See, if, the, if your steps are order of God and they're blind, you can't follow. Then your steps would become decreed and not ordered. You don't live in decreed steps. Your steps are ordered. Yeah. All right, the word ordered in the Hebrew means to be established, to be prepared, and to be set in place. So he has set your steps. He's laid them out, but we have to follow them in trust. See, to some, the Word of God is not viewed as promises. They're just viewed as decrees. Well, if God said that, then that's just the way it is. No, no. That's the way it is with Him, but is it going to be that way with you? See, it's a promise made that you, you can walk in these steps that God has established and ordered for you. And when you do walk in His steps, then He will delight in your way. Are you with me? See, we're joint heirs with him. We're fellow workers with him. This is not just something he does and it just, oh, boom, automatically happens. And this is why people, when tragedy happens, they'll just say, well, I guess that was God's will. No, 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 it wasn't. Because we think just blindly, whatever happens, that's God. God's brought me here. God's brought this to pass. And we think that God is the, the uh, one or the other is that we either think God's the good God giving out good things to people or we think God's just a mean old ogre and just giving out all kinds of trouble to people. And neither one of them is right. They're both wrong. Do you feel like you've gotten off track with what God has originally given to you? Don't beat yourself up over it. You just need to be willing to get back on track again. Accept God's recalculation 
repent of being off track. Some people think, well, why do I have to repent? I, I just didn't know. Well, repenting isn't apologizing. We're not asking you to apologize. The Bible does not say apologize to God. As though, you know, then if it did, then I can understand why well, there's no reason to apologize. I didn't know. But repent means to turn. So whether you knew about it or not, you're off track. So you need to repent and get back on track. Make that turn. Isn't that right? Accept God's correction. He's got a course correction for you. And he can get you back on track again. Ask him to show you where you went wrong. Where did I miss that turn? We were just coming home from Savannah, and we hit a place where there was so much construction going on. Signs are actually on the side of the, of the road. They're not up like they should be. I missed uh, 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 the road that I was supposed to turn on. So I said, okay, I'm going to have to make a turnaround. I got so turned around is what happened. And, and I'm like, am I going north? Am I going south? Which way am I going? And I actually had to pull off the road and look at my map and see where I'm at and where I needed to go. You know, sometimes you just need to pull off. You got to pull off of that busy schedule. You got to pull off of those crazy days. You know, you got to pull away and look at the map and see where you're at and see where you need to be going. Because you may have gotten turned around and you think you're still going in the right direction. Amen. Are you with me? Ask him to show you where you went wrong. Then be willing to embrace whatever changes you have to make to get back on track again. These are choices that we have to make. This is what life is about. And it's done regularly. You know, you might have to do it monthly. Depends on what it takes. Whatever it takes to stay on track, you need to do it. But nobody can do it for you. I can preach my heart out about this, but I can't do it for you. You're going to have to catch it, and you're going to have to do it. Isn't that right? Amen. Amen. Just bow your heads before the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we bless you. We honor you, Father. Oh, thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thank you for your loving compassion, Lord, on us. Oh, Father, we're just so grateful that you never lose sight of us. You know right where we're at. You know whether we're on track or whether we're off track. So, Holy Spirit, help us. Help us to recognize if we're off track where we are off track for we only know in part I might say well based on what I know I'm on track but you know so we look to you to let us know we'll acknowledge you in all of our ways and look to you so that you can make our path straight Holy Spirit I thank you that you are our leader and our guide. And that you will direct us in the way that we should go. I'll open my ears to hear from you. To hear from heaven. To hear within my spirit. Not in my emotions. Not in my thoughts. Not in my feelings. But in my spirit.
that I would hear from you, hear from heaven, and that I would make the changes that need to be made. Lord, I repent of these things where I'm off track because they have not brought you glory. So I'm looking to get back on track again. I humbly submit myself to you and to your spirit. And I look to you to bring me back in the way I should go. I thank you for this, Lord. I receive that. I receive that. I receive that in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory, glory, glory to you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. I realize that this is not one of those um, hanging from the chandelier shouting services. But if you get it working in your life, you'll be shouting about your life. Amen. Amen. Um, some people have asked us uh, over the last several months about giving into the building fund and if there is still a building fund to give into. Uh, because, as you know, the building is paid off. But we want the building to profit wonderfully by keeping abreast of the facts. And the facts is, is that we always have to do continued maintenance on the building. So any building fund money goes into maintenance. Uh, just some of the items that we're dealing with right now is the chairlift is broke down. And it's been broke down for several months now, and that needs to be repaired. Uh, we're rebuilding the rear fire escape stairs and deck out back. We're putting in all impact windows upstairs because you can't reach them to put shutters in. Okay? Uh, we're installing clear shutters downstairs. No impact windows downstairs, but installing clear shutters downstairs. In the foyer, we'll have metal uh, shutters for them. And we had to just replace the AC system in Children's Church. So the approximate cost of all that's about $30,000. So there's always a building fund to sow into. Yeah. Amen. So I would thank you for prayerfully considering that and sowing into the building fund. You can sow it into for your own home, sow it for your own maintenance. You can sow it for um, uh, a home that you might be looking to purchase, uh, rent, uh, whatever it might be. You know, any type of a uh, residence. Okay? So that's always available to, to sow into. So I wanted to let you know about that. And as you know also that the uh, bookstore, in fact, today is the last day that the bookstore will be opened. And we have a table of books in the bookstore and everything is 50% off. Okay? And uh, whatever is not sold, I think we're giving it to another church or something. Yeah, okay. So that's 50% off if you'd like to take advantage of that. We come to the end of using CDs, and we're going to start using the little flash drives. Okay, just about every car comes with a flash drive. Your computer has a flash drive. TVs have flash drives that you can use. And... Um, you know, if you don't have one, you can purchase a little flash drive player for like $20. So those are going to be available. And we put all of the Spiritual Ears series, all the teachings on a flash drive. 
So if you've been in the class, only if you were in the class, if you were signed up and attended the classes, the spiritualist classes this time, that's available for you to order them. There's a sign-up sheet in the bookstore. Uh, they're $4 a flash drive. Yeah, yeah. So, the, so you can go into the bookstore today to get that, but then after today, the bookstore will be shut down and everything is moving out into the foyer to where you'll sign up for things out there if you want flash drives of the services. Okay? All right. Thank you, Father. Father, we bless you and praise you, Father. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness and for your grace. Thank you, Lord, that you're more than enough. And Father, as we sow our seed today, we're even sowing it into the upcoming meetings with Dr. Terry and Renee Mize next weekend. And we're going to start setting our path with our seed being sown. Because we are looking to receive from you impartation, revelation, so that we can have application of the word into our life. That our life would be changed from glory to glory and from faith to faith. So, Lord, we thank you for that. As we sow our seed, we do so according to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If you joined us on live stream, Facebook, any place online, thanks for being with us today. We appreciate your connecting with us and allowing us the opportunity to share the goodness of God with you and the goodness of his word, a word that can change your life, that you'll never be the same again, a word that can bring you up, bring you, step you up and step you higher into life. You know, a lot of people always say, oh, I want to leave things better for my kids than they were for me. Well, the best thing you can do for your kids is leave them a spiritual heritage that's full of the word of God. If you'd like to sow seed into the ministry, go to, our work, uh, go to our website, newlifefamilyworship.net, and click on the giving link. And I thank in advance for the seed that you sow. If there's anything we can pray with you about, please let us know. We always consider it an honor and a privilege to stand with you, our partners, and believe God for your needs to be met. Amen.